you turn your Bible, please, to John chapter 21. John, the 21st chapter. And we begin with verse 12. John 21, <clears throat> beginning with verse 12. May we bow together in prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being here in the house of the Lord. We ask You to touch every life those who are here in the auditorium and those who have joined us by radio. And may the name of Jesus be honored and glorified. And may each of us face that question, lovest thou me more than these? Holy Spirit, draw unto thyself those who are lost and send among the saved a spirit of renewal and the revival and preparation for the week ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen. In John chapter 21, we begin with verse 12. I hope you'll follow along in your Bible and keep your Bible open this morning. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples dared ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Look in verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. <clears throat> The story of John 21 is a familiar story. It almost sounds like Luke 5, but it's an entirely different story. The Lord Jesus has suffered, died on the cross. Last Sunday, we spoke from the 20th chapter of John, and we remember how exciting that morning was when Mary Magdalene came while it was yet dark. And the stone was already lifted away and she got all excited and went and got Joanna and, and uh, she got uh, Salome and she went and got Peter and John and she just ran around everywhere that morning saying, they've taken away my Lord. When she came back to weep in the garden, Jesus spoke to her, Mary. And she turned to him and said, Rabboni, Master. That night, Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room. Tom wasn't there. He didn't come to church that Sunday night. 
Next week they said, uh, Tom was at, Jesus was at church Sunday night. Tom said, I don't believe it. I won't believe it unless I thrust my hand in his side, unless I put my finger in his nail prints. But the next Sunday night, interestingly enough, he was there and Jesus appeared. And Jesus said, said, Thomas, put your hands in my print of my nails. See that it is I. And Thomas simply said, my Lord and my God. Now we're not sure exactly when the next, this next event took place. But over on the Sea of Galilee, where the Lord had had so much of his ministry, the place where Peter, James, and John had been fishing and Jesus came along one day and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Peter had said, I'm going fishing. I don't know what to make of this. And so he was out fishing. It was early in the morning. If you read carefully the first part of chapter 21, you find that it was very early in the morning. Maybe about the same time that Mary got to the tomb. And they looked over on the shore and they saw a familiar figure. Somebody was there putting coals on the fire. Looked like they were about to fix breakfast. And the Lord was there. He came out and said, come and dine. The disciples could hardly believe what they were seeing. It was Jesus the resurrected, glorified Jesus. And he said, come and dine. I like that. That's always the master's invitation. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You can eat at Jesus' table all the time. The problem is the table is often filled with the people and the fields out there are empty. Nobody goes out to take part of what's at the table out to the people where there's a need. Well, after some deliberation, Peter came and the other disciples and the Lord fixed breakfast for them. I think that's there as a foretaste of heaven. That'll be what it'll be like in heaven. You know the song we sing, Brethren, we have met to worship. One of the stanzas in that song says that Jesus will gird himself and serve us. And in the glory, the Lord is going to serve us. I don't know what kind of food we'll get, but some kind of heavenly manna that our new spiritual body can digest, okay? And Jesus fed them breakfast, and after the breakfast, he called Peter aside. Now, it is not clear to me whether this was said in front of the other disciples or whether privately. Sometimes as I read it, I think it was done publicly in front of the others, and then other times I think because we know Jesus so well that he might have done it privately because he'd always tried to help people, never embarrass them and hurt them. <clears throat> but Peter had an encounter with the Lord. And in this brief few moments, I'd like for you to see the three questions Jesus asked Peter. And let's ask ourselves those Similar three questions. You remember that Peter had denied the Lord three times. The pressures were so great that Peter couldn't hardly stand it. 
He had followed Jesus afar off, and folks, it's always dangerous to follow afar off. That's always dangerous. There are lots of people that try it. You know, they say, well, I don't want to get too involved, and I don't want to get fanatical about this thing. I'll just be out here, and I believe, and I'm a Christian, but I don't want to get too involved. Well, Peter followed afar off, and he sat outside in the court, and you know the rest of the story, and and somebody, you know, he didn't identify himself, and somebody came along and said, you're one of them. You're one of the followers of Jesus. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. After a while, somebody else came along and said, you're one of those Nazarene prophet followers. He said, I know not the man. And after a little while, somebody else came along and said, you're one of them. Your speech betrays you. And the third time, Peter said, I know not the man, and with profanity denied the Lord. And just at that time, there was a crowing of the cock. And Peter remembered, and there was a lull in the trial, and the eyes of Jesus and the eyes of Peter met. And the scripture says, Peter went out and wept bitterly. This may have been the first personal encounter between Peter and Jesus after that event. And so Jesus, if you want to believe he took him aside, or if you want to believe he did it right in front of everybody, whichever you understand that scripture to mean, Jesus said, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? Now I want you to notice the Greek word the Lord used. There are three words for love in Greek. One is eros, which means uh, a physical attraction between men and women, people of the opposite sex. It is a beautiful thing in married life. Sometimes it becomes a perverted thing in our sex life, eros. The second word is phileo, which means fellowship. We express this often when we say, well, I like you, or I enjoy being with you. The third word is agapao, agape. That's God's kind of love. It's an unselfish pouring of one life into the life of another. And so Jesus used this word. He said, Simon, son of Jonas, do you have agape love for me? And Peter said, Lord, I like you. I have fellowship kind of love for you. I phileo you. And Jesus responded. He said, feed my lambs. The second time Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonas, do you have agape love for me? This is the second time. And I know that Peter's heart was moved and he couldn't help but remember that he had denied the Lord once, twice. And Peter, miserable, discouraged, defeated, said, Lord, you know that I have phileo for you. I, I like you, Lord. I love you with fellowship kind of love. Jesus said, feed my sheep. The third time, and Peter was almost heartbroken when he heard the Lord say this the third time, because his conscience bothered him. He remembered what had happened. He remembered that denial at the trial. And the Lord said, and the thing that hurt Peter the most was this. The Lord said, Peter, do you have phileo for me? Stabbed in the heart. And the record says Peter was broken. He was miserable. He said, Lord, thou knowest all things. 
you know that's all I have for you. It's all I'm capable of having. I have phileo for you. He never came up to that agape. He said, Lord, that's the best I've got. It's all I'm capable of, but I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. There are several things we can take from this. Number one, the Lord takes us where we are. He doesn't expect something from us that we're not capable of giving or that we do not have to give. He doesn't take a man that has $10 and expect a million dollars from that man. He doesn't take somebody that can't sing a note and expect him to sing like Caruso. He doesn't take somebody that's timid and bashful and shy and expect him to be a great orator all of a sudden overnight. He takes us where we are and then he begins to lead us and guide us and lead us and guide us and lead us and guide us and fill us and be patient with us and love us until we are meet for the master's use. You may not get all of this out of this passage, but when you study the life of Peter, you know that's true because Peter came from being a wishy-washy kind of man that was scared to death and ran for his life to being a rock. And later on when they arrested him and said, you must speak no longer in this name of Jesus, he said, we must obey God rather than man. And he, suffered, he said, we rejoice, we count it an honor that we can suffer in the name of Jesus. That's the kind of man Peter became. But in this passage, Peter is on the way that, there. And you see how the Lord is dealing gently and tenderly with him. Now I'm tempted to stay and to develop that a little bit further, but I want to just close by asking three questions. <clears throat> three questions that bring this a little bit home, closer home to us. Instead of Simon, son of Jonah, put your name in there. Christian friend, do you love me more than you love your family and friends? Now, what do you mean by that? That's what I mean. I think that's what Jesus would ask us. Do you love me more than you love your family and friends? Listen to this. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 34, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother. And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be those of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Do you love me more than you love your family or friends? A lot of times people commit their lives to Christ without counting the cost. A husband will come saying, yes, Jesus will be Lord of my life. A wife will come and say, yes, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. A teenager will come or a young child will come and say, yes, I receive Christ. I want him to be Lord. But when the going gets tough and the family do not understand and the friends turn their back, and loved ones say, you love this church more than you love your family. You love Jesus more than you love me. 
you cop out. Lovest thou me more than these? You say, preacher, there shouldn't be any, there shouldn't be any conflict between my love for Jesus and my love for family and friends. Oh, but friend, there, there is. I'm sorry, it just is. That's the way it is in life. Well, you say, that couldn't be. Oh, yes, Jesus taught it. Do you remember in Jesus' own family? He was out there ministering, and, and his mother and his brothers and sisters came and said, he's a little bit wacky. Can't pay too much attention to him. And they came to remove him from an embarrassing position and take him away. And Jesus had to say to them, wait a minute, what have I to do with thee? He that doeth my will, the will of my father is my mother and my father and my brother and my sister. And sometimes our relationships in the family of God are closer than our family relationships in the blood and in covenant. Do you love me more than you love your family or your friends? Now that kind of talking isn't very popular. A Jewish girl got saved one night her father had told her to never go to that revival meeting, don't have anything to do with these Christians. But she went, and she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> she went home all excited. You see, when something is in your heart, you can't keep it quiet, it's just there. And she told about Jesus. And that father said, honey, I love you very much, but we're Jewish. And the Jews are not Christians. We don't believe in this Jesus. I'm going to give you till in the morning to renounce this. And if you will not renounce Jesus, then you'll have to find another house to live in and I'm gonna disinherit you. This girl was an accomplished musician. She went upstairs and the light burned late in the night. The next morning early she came down she went to the piano and began to play a hymn that she had heard in the meeting the night before. She had picked it up quickly. The words, Jesus, I my cross have taken, all to leave and follow thee. Destitute, despised, forsaken, thou art all and all to me. Her daddy came to the door. She heard, he heard and, and saw her and knew what she was singing. He knew her answer and his heart was so moved he came and knelt by that piano bench and has said, Honey, if this Jesus means that much to you, tell me about him. I want him too. Amen. Do you love Jesus more than you love your family or your friends? Number two, do you love Jesus more than you love the flesh and its whims? Now, my time is just about up. We're Baptists. We could vote to give me a minute or two longer. But I'm going to just quickly go and just say this. The flesh and its whims, and I may finish tonight. <laughs> Do you love me more than you love your flesh and its whims? We're all stuck on ourselves. And when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, there comes a conflict between your desires, your flesh, the old nature, and the new nature. We have two natures in us. Which do you love the most? Do you love Jesus 
Or do you love this old downward tug that pulls at you and pulls at you and pulls at you and pulls you down? And somebody tries to preach the word to you or talk to you straight, your parents or someone that loves you or your Sunday school teacher or you hear from the word of God that God has something better for you and yet you say, well, this feels so good. I'm just going to go on and do it. It must be right. It feels good. You'd be amazed how many Christians live like that. If it feels good, I'll do it. Do you love the Lord Jesus more than you love the flesh and its whims and its desires? Thirdly, do you love me more than you love your feelings? Somebody hurt my feelings, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> I'm going to quit. Can't go on tell you the, they, they stepped on my toes, they hurt my feelings. Or I'll tell you, I just don't feel as good as I used to feel about things. And I, don't be, I can't pray as much as I used to pray. And, and uh, well, I just tell you, I just don't get that same quiver in my liver that I used to have. And I don't feel quite like I once felt. That's the time when we read, need to read the Bible more. That's the time when we need to get deeper with God. That's the time when we need to get along with God and just get deeper with Him. Do you love the Lord more than you love those feelings? There are four reasons people question their salvation, and I'll be through. Number one, because of a false idea of what it means to be saved. Some people feel low and feel down, and they feel dejected, and they feel like, I'm not saved because of a misunderstanding of what it means to be saved to begin with, a false idea of, 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 the, of the initial experience. And number two, a misunderstanding of salvation by grace through faith. And sometimes when we make a blunder in our lives and we make a mistake and we fall on our faces and the devil says, ha, 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 if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't do that. And so we give up and we say, well, I guess that's right. And so we quit. And thirdly, we get sin in our lives. And that sin calluses over and covers over the joy and the assurance of our faith. And we don't feel the tug of God in our hearts like we once felt. And fourthly, we have disobedience in our lives. We've trusted Jesus as our Savior, but He tells us to be baptized. He tells us to get into church. He tells us to read the Word. He tells us to pray. He tells us to win others to Christ. He tells us to tithe our income. He tells us to go on with God. And we begin to renege and we pull back. And, and instead of in the joy of that new experience, putting it all on the line for God and getting going for Him, we hold back. And after a while, the feelings that were once there dim. And so we give in to these feelings and we just sort of quit on God. Do you love me more than you love those feelings, Jesus would say? Or are you going to quit because your family and friends tug at you? Or are you going to quit because the whims of the flesh have a downward tug at you and they pull you under? Or are you going to quit because you don't have the feelings that you once had for the things of God? 
Lovest thou me more than these, my friend? And Peter said, Lord, you know my heart. You know me. That's what I'd like to say to the Lord today. And I think every one of us would like to respond, Lord, you know us. Our love is not perfect. Maybe we do not have that agapao, that agape kind of love. Maybe we don't have that supreme loyalty that we need. But Lord, you know my heart and I love you and I want to serve you. And the Lord reaches down and said, says, I'll take you as you are. You come and follow me. And I'll lead you into deeper paths of service. And I'll not scold you and bawl you out. I'll help you and lift you and take you along life's road. Would you like that? It begins at Calvary by giving our heart to Jesus. It continues at Calvary as we go back again and again, reminding ourselves that the blood cleanses us from all sin. It continues on out to the glory as we look back at the resurrection and allow that resurrection power to fill us so that we can say with Paul in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Our Father, we thank you for the joy of being in this service. We pray that just now, the Holy Spirit of God will speak to hearts. And someone who has never been saved will come to Jesus. And others that are God's children by faith will begin to walk that faith walk. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come to thee. Now listen, I'd like to ask that no one move around except to come committing your life to the Lord. Jesus is speaking to your heart right now. Let him have his way. If you're not saved, you've never given your heart to Christ, come to him. Trust him as your Savior. If you've been saved but you need to be baptized, you need to take a stand for the Lord, will you come? And Christian friend, whatever God has said to you, can you answer him as he asks, lovest thou me more than these? Can you say, Lord, you know I love you. I want to serve you. Let him say to you, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, follow me. As we begin to sing, is there somebody here that ought to step out for God? Take a stand for the Lord. Will you do it while we begin to sing?